Welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern-day business leaders who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm William Rowe, founder and CEO of Proteam. I've been helping businesses grow for over 20 years, and I've always been fascinated with the people behind these businesses, where they've come from, and what drives them forward. Kim Bhutan is one half of DVTK, an independent digital design studio founded by herself and her partner David. They create beautifully immersive digital experiences, as well as their own fun side projects, such as Loadmore, a curation platform for the post-desktop interface. This was recorded over Zoom, so apologies for the audio quality. Hey Kim, thanks for joining us today. Do you want to start by telling us a bit about you, David, and DBTK? Um, we started in the studio in 2015 in London. And so David's background is in 3D and my background is in uh, web interfaces. So we kind of blend our expertise to produce new kind of digital storytelling um, online. And um, and we've been working mainly with fashion and luxury brands um, due to my background in Paris um, as I was working at Kenzo. Um, so I was working there as digital art director. Then we created DVK uh, and moved to London. And, and yeah, and so that's how it started. That's So we're still doing that. Um, the only thing is recently we've been like shifting a bit uh, to trying to work with more um, with art industry um so it's it's kind of new but it's definitely something that we're trying to achieve right now excellent and give me some time time dates on that in terms of the inception of uh, dbtk um but also you know the uh, was there an itch you were trying to scratch you know was there a problem you were looking to solve you know was there something that you were really trying to you know achieve that wasn't currently being uh, you know answered yeah so it's like it's really like it started really organically i think like we david and i we've met at school like maybe 10 years ago and uh which school so it was in paris it's a school called Olivier de Serre, <laughs> and uh, it's an art school where, like, to be honest, we were super bored and started working <laughs> together. Like, we were not really going to school, so but it was really like a nice space to meet interesting people. And so we we started working together straight away when we met. Um, we were from really different backgrounds, and um, I was I was in like coding websites already. And David was really uh, had a really strong knowledge in design and studied in, uh, design already, and he like taught me that, and I taught him like everything I knew about interfaces and like what was happening on the internet, and then and then he studied 3D. I I followed my studies um, into yeah like uh, interactive design, and then. While I was working at Kenzo, uh, at some point I was, you know, kind of in charge of like creating anything digital for campaigns, and and so I was like, oh, you know, I know someone who can do some three D, and we started 
doing that, like trying to, also it was the beginning of WebGL, which is a technology that was allowing us to embed 3D within the browser. Mm -hmm. So we started experimenting that with Kenzo's money, <laughs> basically. Uh, it was great. And we had like, like super nice feedback from, well, the Kenzo team, but also the audience online. And, you know, Kenzo at that time really was perceived as a really digital brand. And, and it, you know, it was kind of, it was before Instagram was so big and everything. Like Instagram at that point was just like a place where you would post pictures of your holidays with like filters um, and that's it. So we really had that opportunity to test it. And because people liked it, uh, we were like, okay, let's do a studio. <laughs> and, um, and we were not seeing anyone doing that but we were really seeing an opportunity to that you know like that the internet was missing some kind of those like narratives that would involve like strong aesthetics but also interactions and not just like a video or not just like a you know like just a website that you scroll mm. so what what year was that that dvtk was founded <laughs> So it was 2015, but really when we like when we started working together, but it was mainly for Kenzo was um, maybe 2013 or 14. Okay. But then 15 was the year when we moved to London, launched our website because like creating your studio <laughs> a studio for us was just like oh you know you just create a website and that's that's it you've got a studio. So that's when when it happened 2015. Great, and I mean just coming back to the point of a. Uh this is it was like a grander purpose but you know is there a real is there a mission or is there a real goal is there is always is there something that you're really trying to challenge or evolve in terms of the work that you guys put out yeah but and it has changed then we were really trying to i mean like our, our statement was like let's make the internet a happy place for people <laughs> like oh let's you know like we were as soon as we like moved to london and started the studio we had opportunities to do talks, so we all like straight away we had to like kind of question why do we do that? Otherwise, we were just like, oh, we just you know we just like it, so we do it. And then we were like observing the fact that um, because also we had really this focus with fashion brands at that at that point. Um, fashion brands had and still do have always had all the same websites and but we're like trying to say different things online and like obviously the like the online window was the, becoming the main window at that time so we were like sharing this idea of like you need to involve that digital space as you would do when you when you build your physical store when you mm. build your physical store you would make any decision even like what is the perfume of the store, you know, like, and you would have to, so obviously you can't make the perfume of your website, but there are many, many things that you can still do with like through interactions to create some kind of surprise and to embrace a like singular narrative that tells something about the brand's identity, the brand's DNA, and that should go through interactivity. So that was really what we were trying to do then. Um, and uh, and also saying that we were observing that, you know, like, because we were seeing more and more websites online, people were using templates. And the templates 
obviously like uh, shows a lack of uh, this kind of identity. So we had to produce uh, maybe that it was a um, short-term campaign. You need some place where your brand's DNA uh, exists online. Otherwise, it's just the same for everyone. Mm. And yeah. So it's about helping brands, predominantly fashion, to you know stand out ultimately. Yeah. And, and um, I, yeah, without getting too technical <laughs> too soon, um, where, what is the role of technology in this? And uh, yeah, as you say, from your collective backgrounds and obviously complementary backgrounds, um, yeah. yeah, maybe just talk about a little bit your relationship with the technology. Well, it's definitely um, important, but it's not a core thing because we had this weird moment when it was like, and it was quite soon after we moved to London where everyone was crazy about VR and then everyone was crazy about AR. And we got brief, I don't know if we can say, call that brief, but it's like, oh, can you do something VR for me? Um, doesn't really make sense. <laughs> so it, for us, the technology is just there to serve a message, a purpose. It's not like it can't be the ultimate goal to just use technology. Although we love experimenting with this and we are like kind of nerds <laughs> and we keep on like following what are the things we can do with it, but just to enable ideas. But we, w we are never looking out to... Like we we more like trying to make it as easy as possible, even though like our websites are like uh, heavy, <laughs> like they have 3D and everything. But it's not because we want to make it 3D because like 3D is here to serve the like because we seek for creating immersion, a sense of immersion. And then when we used VR, it was kind of the same. It was because. Uh, it was a project with um, for a nail salon in London, and we used VR because we thought, oh, that's the way we can deliver the best experience because we want to create a like kind of a video game. But initially, we were looking at AR. It's important, but it's not um, the core material for us. Sure, and you mentioned experience, and ultimately, that from a, I mean, any any kind of. A behavioral interaction or consumer touch point is is the fundamental and and as and even more recently and more importantly become you know the the success or failure of of the of any kind of digital platform or presence or startup or app um uh, so maybe we just you touch on a little bit the you know the experience side of digital um and and and, may, and then maybe touch on a couple of the projects because they are I mean, you said heavy. I like they're beautiful, <laughs> but I mean heavy in their load. I'm sure because they are, you know, these are 3D worlds. They're, you know, they're they're rich in terms of texture. Um, uh, so for anybody who hasn't seen your work, maybe just sort of touch on that in terms of that ambition of the experience and the world that you're trying to create, maybe through a project or or two you've been working on. Mm, yeah, I think that the so. For instance, one of our like one of the project like, the project that took us back to Paris because we, we moved back to Paris in 2019. It was because we had this big project for Galerie Lafayette, so it's a big department store in, in Paris, and they were opening a new space uh, on the Champs Elysees, and um, they wanted to have a like the department store of the future. 
and we had we've been working with a lot of like uh, 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 of the future <laughs> but, uh, so this one they wanted to challenge a of like doing like of being in department store and so like the traditional Gary Lafayette has salespeople who are like from Dior and Prada and they come within the stations that sell the products that they know in that new uh, sp space they had um, their own salespeople that they would train and, and they would train them as personal stylists and we worked on two sides for them we worked on a, like um, an app that the salespeople like the personal stylists are using so they have a device in their pocket and with this app they can get in touch with clients uh, you know like a prior to the, their visit to the store and like try to get to know them and like recommend them products and then during the visit they can take pictures of what they tried and and take notes of why what they liked did not like what were the sizes and everything and and also then after the visit keeping in touch and maybe inform them if their new product might interest them so it was trying to put back the human at the center of the experience of the store, whereas like we've seen lots of stores of future that were stores of futures from like five, six years ago that were trying to like remove humans from the stores and have only screens. And we kind of saw how this was failing at some point, even though right now like the, like if, even in Paris, there are some stores that are humanless, and they're the ones that are uh, easily still open during this pandemic crisis because, like, no human means no, you know, like no risk of getting the virus. But then, what kind of future is that? You know, like it's not really um, like uh, something that we wish for. So that's what the site. And then the other part was create an online branding like for that store because obviously it would be a store that lives online without an e-shop so it's really like the only way to shop is to come to the store but how does that store can exist online how can we embody what it stands for online so we created for the store a little 3d mascot that uh, represents the branding of the store so the logo is kind of like uh yeah it's kind of inspired by the the, the logo and then the little mascot uh, welcomes you to the website takes you to a tour of the store and and stuff like that so it's a little, little 3d mascot that talks and the but so the 3d is here to make it alive but it's only meant to be living online it's not meant to be printed. It's not meant to be like 3D printed even. Um, so this like the internet is like its own like home. Mm. And um, so that's one of the like, it's not that recent, but it was one big project for us. And another one that is more recent was from like two, like spring of um, last year. And it's a 3D planet that's like, um, it's an art piece, this one, that was uh, part of a, a collective exhibition from uh, ZKM, a museum in, in Karlsruhe. Mm -hmm. And um, it, the exhibition, it was called Critical Zone, and it was supposed to be like a physical exhibition. And one of the artists uh, asked us to create a digital piece that would translate his initial idea into something that could live online. Um, so the Critical Zone exhibition 
eventually only happen online. And we created this planet where basically it evolves throughout time with different um, textures, materials. And um, the narrative is that uh, if you, you can browse the planet as much as you want, but if you touch it, it's mainly meant to be seen with your mobile phone. And so you move your phone around and you explore it. So we use the accelerometer within the phone. And if you touch it, you kind of, uh, you don't, you, you kind of burn it. You kind of like affect it in a way that is, that is okay. Like it will recover from that touch, but you know that you're doing something that's not good for the planet. And then there is also like kind of a healing, hidden feature, um, but it's really like trying to say this message, like take care of that little virtual planet. No, fascinating. And maybe touching on that last one in terms of the environmental impact of this technology, and I want to get onto NFTs and crypto in a minute, but from, a, mm -hmm. um, I mean, keeping it on the human uh, level and, um, and behavioral level, uh, maybe just a, a, your viewpoint of a, a new behavior or a new direction when you, um, when you weave into the world of gaming and, and this isn't sort of ready player one quite yet, but you know, the, and I think especially during COVID, if we're sort of fixed and glued to our screen so much and we, we still need that escapism that you can't maybe tangibly have by be, the luxury of being able to go for a walk in the park or the field and whichever social or economic class that you, you might exist. Um, but again, coming back to the role of these 3D worlds and you know the 3D escapism that comes with it, I guess one, and then two, you know the environmental impact or uh, yeah, of, of, of what that is replacing, um, but also I guess sort of impacting or or, or, uh, or affecting. Um, yeah, good to get your thoughts because that project was it's poignant in terms of the the experience of it and and the message that comes behind it. But be good to sort of extrapolate that a bit further in terms of how you see sort of the future of where that's going to be going more generally mm. so i can't remember the first one <laughs> <laughs> um just looking at where the you the experience of virtual worlds and 3d oh, worlds yeah, yeah, yeah. and as a format of escapism in our currently yeah. hopefully soon to be reduced um uh, reliance on screen time yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really interesting question because because we've started quite like I think the first project we did, um, like well, like no, like the project we did at Kenzo, like what I was working at Kenzo, it was in two thousand thirteen. It was a three D gallery that you would browse and within which you would um, discover videos and like there was this new technology that was called that is called WebSocket where you could like kind of and we used it to synchronize your mobile phone on your like what you would see on your desktop like on your laptop and you would synchronize both devices through a website and you would kind of use your phone to navigate throughout the gallery but like really like the images that um like that stayed um from from that experience is really like this 3D 
gallery, this 3D virtual gallery, and like the the renderings like that David did were so beautiful. And the interest interesting thing for us in that project it was it was only virtual. So we came up with the architecture. We came up with like even like choosing which chair we would have in the gallery. Everything was virtual because we created a bespoke space for the sake of like um, showing this like campaign video online and we also work closely with the directors of the video so that the content in the gallery also matches what the gallery says so it was really like again a strong narrative a strong digital narrative so we made that in 2013 and it was kind of um it was kind of uh, the beginning of WebGL as well. And now everyone, like not everyone, like we've got so many people reaching out recently. We've, we've seen that those images and we want the same today. But the really weird thing is they come up with this, those briefs where they unfortunately had the, those physical events that can't happen and they want to make the same but online. And same as with the VR briefs, it's like, what is the point to try to reproduce what you can't, like, what? It's a bit sad, isn't it? Like, we, like if, if, if I, I can't live in my home anymore, why would I want to have it virtual? Like, I would, let's use virtual to create something that I can't have in, like, I mean, we prefer to imagine new landscapes. We prefer to take advantage of the, of again like interactivity and uh, so yeah we had so many people reaching out to 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 create 3d spaces that would look like the exact like art galleries that they couldn't open or something like that and we always try to kind of push things further so that we create imaginary landscapes that can make people you know like uh, dream instead of just seeing those spaces that where they can't go and it looks less good as a real space and it kind of just reminds you that you can't be there so it's not really interesting but um so so that's how we try to make it now even though we also try to to reach for other kind of uh you know like uh, virtual spaces like for instance like the 3d planet doesn't look like uh, anything that we know in the real world. Um, whereas that 3D gallery from 2013 looks like it could be real. Um, but both are completely imaginary spaces eventually. No, it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, again, mapping that maybe directly back to the world of gaming and Animal Crossings and Fortnites and Minecrafts and you know, in terms of genuinely immersive worlds and mm. uh, and linking it back to the fashion industry specifically recently of Louis Vuitton launching capsule collections or collaborating and partnering with, you know, Avatar Clothing. And, uh, you know, it'll be good just to get your viewpoint of where that sort of plays out um, mm. in terms of, and that's crossover worlds, right? And that's the huge industry that's esports that's bigger than Hollywood. Um, yeah. You know, 
just resurfacing as this Godzilla out of the lake <laughs> to yeah, yeah, yeah. eat up all of these other, it's like, where the fuck did that come from? It's like, <laughs> oh, it was always there. You just never yeah, knew yeah, yeah. about it. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I know, I, I, to me, what the, the my point is and why COVID especially has maybe, and I don't need to necessarily fast forwarded it, but definitely just made it more visible uh, is this enforced behavior that we've all been put through and for those who have already been doing it the developers the remote workers you know zoom is there daily and it has been for years but now it's like it's everybody's you know they have to do it um, um but again maybe just touching back on that point of and, and this is about experience and behaviors and, and and really where and how you see that evolving uh you know with you guys being practitioners in the in the middle of it no, I think it's what uh, it makes like what you just said made me think of many different uh, things. Like one of them is like what you just said about the fact that working remotely for many people, especially like in my industry, like is not something that is um, is like makes it different on a daily basis. And also, I mean, I've got many friends who are like developers, and there were you know, traveling the world. So maybe they would then, during the the crisis, they would stop in one specific space, but then they just spent maybe six months in a, like uh, on an island or somewhere. And they just like, they don't have a, like they have their, their home is where their parents live basically. And then they just go from one space to the other and the, and they rent spaces that are like, um, places where it's only people walking that way so they have a, a super speed internet that's the only thing and then and then that's it and then it's like a kind of a community and 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 they've been doing that for years so they just keep on doing that so but it's really like uh, specific to these people it's not a, a, like a for everyone and right now it's crazy because like i just like i just I was speaking with a friend recently and I told her like it's weird because like my industry is kind of benefiting from 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 the situation which is like awful and like right now for instance I work with lots of like developer friends and everyone is so busy it's 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 crazy and everyone is building virtual worlds it's 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 no like kind of the the yeah the thing that everyone do um, and the, the other thing I thought when you you talk about e, um, esports um, and gaming is that a few years ago we worked on a project for an esports uh, team, and um, and it was funny because their like um, marketing director was someone who used to work in fashion in Paris. And so they hired someone from fashion because they knew that fashion had something they needed to kind of refresh their branding and to make it look cool. And no, it's cool. <laughs> so the guy did the good, and it's not only this guy, it was a massive like esports um, team, but it was really a brand. And like, it's really something that happened. Like, and it was in a such, such a short uh, timing. And now, as you also said, like uh, mentioned, there is uh, this thing with like, crypto art and like all my friends are so have you seen what do you think about it and everything and like well you know for me right now it's just 
and bunch of uh, like a bunch of dudes that are like crazy about it and it's just like this is really my personal point of view and david and i we argue on that but it's only guys that are super uh, into into that thing right now and for me i just see something that is re like reproducing the same like issues we were facing like without the technology in our world and it's like um, it's like a, a real like there is a real problem with uh, uh, on the economic impact uh, ecological impact of 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 that and uh, and yeah right now the only people that are super excited into into that are just like my my nerd friends and sorry but only guys my, my my friends who are like 3d artists but who are a woman they are you know like they they're like oh yeah no i don't like that it's like i don't want to provoke more you know um uh like uh troubles to the planet mm. so just wait until it solves that issue uh, before producing new things uh, with that technology so to represent the female side of the argument <laughs> um the uh, i would i would challenge your um your assumption um because yes it, the majority definitely is you know the tech bros um pumping out nfts um but you know it's not exclusively that and i don't know if you've seen what um corinna nobs is doing with uh dematerialized on on luxo um they, there's one uh, with Marjorie, who's part of uh, Luxo. Uh, I've interviewed Karina on the podcast, actually. She's phenomenal uh, and really challenging the impact of fashion uh, yeah, in terms of its planetary impact uh, and you know the role of technology to really, um, you know, it's not going to solve it, but it's definitely starting a really interesting conversation. Mm. And the project she's launched, uh, which, I mean, you should uh, if you take the time to have a look uh is is really looking to um yeah recognize that and whether it's carlin's or the fabricant and you know this blurred lines of virtual identities and this is before we get into lil michaela's of this world but you know it, the, you're reclothing yourself for your instagram or for your online um you know gaming avatar uh, and you know it's a it's a fascinating blurred line and yes the environmental impact is is a question mark with two mm. sides to the argument i'm equally gonna you know take a viewpoint on um uh, but it's to me like you you i mean you guys especially uh, uh, along with the folks i've just mentioned um you know it's right in the middle of it and and mm. to me, I guess the interesting, and we're looking at it closely ourselves around NFTs or crypto or mm. social tokens, is is about a store of value. Uh, and if that is in a Web three context, you know, a new technology layer that uh, gets adopted by the internet that makes it, you know, it creates, it enables the value exchange to be done effort, effortlessly. Mm. That's you know, that's, a, that's an entire again an entirely new category of behavior. That we we've only just started to see, and and yeah, aside of the crypto punks um, or any of the sort of the NFT beebles, um, and for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, just Google them. Uh, it's 
it's it's pioneer time right this is wild west in early yes. 90s internet analogies uh which personally i'm uh yeah i'm i'm just just curious by yeah, so yeah. um i don't know and and that's where i think and why again i was really keen to chat is is, is that fashion technology sort of gaming crypto you know intersection um mm. which is obviously very much work in progress Mm. Yeah, but I think that, you know, like the argument of like the environment, it, I could, it could definitely like be something that someone uh, um, like can can say to, to, to us at DVTK because our websites are super heavy to load. So like we are not like... What is the CO2 emission of every page load? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really bad. Um, but the thing is, I think what you just said is like, eventually for me, that's a really interesting conclusion is like let's try and i think right now it's so important to just try to imagine new things as you said like pioneering into like but it's just like not not taking things for granted and also like trying to not have like a kind of a narrow um vision when we when we when we come up with a new ideas it's important that we challenge ourselves and we do not like kind of um you know it i think it's just like necessary right now and um i've seen that uh right now there is this um like i don't know if it's a school or if it's just like a i think it's yeah we can call it a school you know stelka institute yeah and it's uh, benjamin Breton who is like leading that and like the way they describe like the, the program where you can apply is really for people that are up to like 35 and and, the, and you, when you apply you need to submit a project that has this kind of uh, anthropocene uh, you know view of the world and not just like, a like it's for it's meant for designers and you can't just be like designing your little object that is just in front of you and not be aware of like so what's what is it doing to the world and um, I think it's just this position. And I think that the new, you know, like we are teaching with David at London College of Fashion. Um, last month, I also did a, a workshop with uh, Slade Art School in London. Well, not in London, online, but uh, the school is in London. And, um, and the workshop was called uh, Are Smartphones Smartphones? So are there smarts and are there phones? just to question this object and just to like try to not just to say like oh yeah just throw it away let's do like a digital detox let's let's buy a what we call that dumb phone it's just like let's take a step back how can we rethink that object and try to come up with new ways of using it that are creative and and just like get out of the of that restricted box of like the tool we have right now, which is just a black box, you know. Mm. And it was so interesting. Like, we just had uh, three hours, and I just gave, like, an introduction of, like, um, lots of things about how the, the phones, like, the smartphones are designed. And then students had uh, one hour to, like, brainstorm and come up with, like, a speculative ID. And then the, the last hour we shared... Uh, all the stuff students came up with. And it was so funny. They were all like trying to see like what's my use of the phone and like what I don't like about that use and how can I change that, turn that into something that is like 
good for me, but you know, not in the, like just being critical and say, ah, oh, just phones are bad. <laughs> um, because they're, they're part of the world now. So like we need to yeah, come up with new solutions and we can just be standing there and say, like, oh, it's just like, it's not right. <laughs> so I have to ask, are smartphones smartphones? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're, they're not phones because actually the really funny thing is like the first thing I do with the students is like a list of the functionalities that they use with the phone and no one uses it to call people. So it's not a phone. Um, and then the only person I call is my dad, <laughs> you know? Because, because he's not on WhatsApp. He is, but it's just like I like calling him. But like with the rest of my friends, I won't do that. We would just like send texts. And but it was really funny because I wasn't even like, I just asked them like list the functions and no one said like, oh, I used to call people. <laughs> we were like, okay, that's, that's not fun then. <laughs> and then is it smart? No, it's it's not smart. It's like we are smart and, and they um, gather da data to like help us or like, do other things but they are not like smart in the same with the world like ai like artificial intelligence like that's it's so interesting to like kind of um take a step back from like the world we are using and it's just like a kind of a in the world there is a branding and there is a world concept and um and it's interesting to like question them i think it's it's for me like that's the role of the designer at the at the eventually so that's why what we're trying to teach to the students so did they come up with an alternative definition if it's not a well, smartphone no they like i think on that like they they just imagine like really funny things where they were like uh punishing the phone <laughs> for their scenes it was so but they really took it on a really like humoristic way and it was really speculative but it was not really like in in like in the time of just one hour it's hard but like i think on that point i think uh actually benjamin breton in uh one uh, his latest book i think Teraf, uh, the new normal or he 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 gave a name to the phone and he's like how 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 come do we call us, uh, those computer payment system? I don't know. It's like, like many, many, many worlds that are the things that we do with those smartphones. How how come do we call them mobile devices? It has nothing to do with the mobile device. <laughs> That's so good. No, it reminds me of a, a show we did oh, many years, maybe some, like 2013, 2014. Uh, called Slow Tech. It was with Henrietta Thompson. I don't know if you know Henrietta, who's ex um, Blueprint and Wallpaper and now runs um, uh, Hearth. And um, but just looking at, you know, slowing technology down. And oh. I remember Nick Roop, I don't know if you know Nick Roop from uh, Holger and Pluman fame and Poke agency. He, he basically created, and these were like pure concepts which had a, like a light, like electromagnetic field on your phone. So after a certain time that there's apps for it now, it would give you like a mild electric shock. <laughs> if your screen time was like too much, it'd be like, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> it was amazing. There was some really nice concepts of visualizing your social media use and, you know, all of these nudges and reminders of, yeah, your behaviors and, 
yeah, the positives and negatives that that come from it, but in a very it was a very product design sort of exhibition that we had downstairs in our space. But I, yeah, I, I, I reference it regularly because it was, it, it, it's definitely sort of stood the test of time in terms of, you know, what we're talking about now and yeah. um, those, that adoption or that uh, notification fatigue or, you know, now scream and zoom fatigue uh, that comes in our, in our COVID, in our COVID space. But yeah. Um, but um, I'm conscious of time and would love to sort of tangent, if I may, into sort of more of your personal, um, you know, history and, um, and, and, you know, maybe your, your childhood and your, where you're growing up and, and, you know, some of the moments or influences that has sort of taken you on this path and uh, maybe just a little background in terms of your uh, formative younger years. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So I said I called my dad and I said he has WhatsApp because my dad is actually like a computer engineer. So he has, uh, he's like, uh, he knows. <laughs> and uh, uh, basically I started coding when I was maybe 13, but just on my own because I had a computer because he, he was like, oh, do you want a computer? Yeah. And then I had a computer. So where, where, we, where, what language were you coding in at 13? It was just HTML and CSS because I was spending so much time online, just like on Deviant Art and like, uh, yeah, just like producing graphic <laughs> graphics, like. And then I was like, I want to put them online, so I found this community, Deviant Art, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, I want to create my own website and. I searched, how do you create a website? And then I started. I remember I had a little notebook and I was like really like writing down with a pencil, like HTML, head, body, um, <laughs> style sheet, and everything. And then, and I was really bad at school, but I was really serious with that, with that coding learning. And I didn't even know, I, like didn't even realize what I was actually learning a like, skill. And then, but you know, like my dad, wasn't aware I was doing that. I was just doing it on my own. And then MySpace came up at some point and I had like, so I had this really like super customized page and MySpace was amazing for that. Um, and because I had this page, like people got in touch with me to, for me to like make them a website. So I did it <laughs> for a few money and I was maybe 16 then. And then at some point, uh, yeah, and I think my sister went to like, and it was like the open days from an art school. And I went with her and I saw that there was this multimedia um, BA. And I was like, that's cool. And and I read, I, wrote, I remember like I was reading the like leaflet of, of, of the school and they were like oh you can become a web designer or maybe a webmaster <laughs> I don't know and then I was like wow it's actually a job <laughs> and then I was I went to my parents and I said okay I want to become a web designer I'm gonna do that school and then I'm gonna do this other school and then I'm gonna make website and uh, earn money for that get paid for that and I was like yeah well uh, try and we'll we'll talk about it in a year and then eventually well here am I <laughs> <laughs> So I I just loved, I just loved websites. I just loved internet and I went through, so yeah, I learned HTML, CSS, a bit of JavaScript and I learned uh, ActionScript. I learned Flash. Uh, 
And so uh, Flash was uh, this amazing technology uh, that we were able to use to produce um, yeah, websites. And, and, and now it's dead <laughs> since uh, this year, actually. RIP. Yes. And the crazy thing is that with HTML and CSS and JavaScript, we, are, we keep on trying to do what was already possible to do with Flash. And uh, we are not there yet. And, uh, and Flash is dead. And so it was this technology by uh, Adobe. And uh, because it wasn't supported by, uh, I think, by touch devices, and then it slowly became obsolete. And no, yeah, no, we we can't uh, we can't even see them, see those websites, and it's crazy because there were so many artists that, that were who were using it online and we were doing like really really interesting projects uh, with Flash, and no, we can't see that. Yeah, it's so true. Mentioning Nick Roop and um, predating that anti-ROM days. I don't know if you remember that more sort of that's more in the net art movement yes. um, of like early internet. And yeah, it was phenomenal. Uh, like in irrational.org or any of those, um, yes. those communities that, yeah, we were genuinely artistically motivated to challenge what the limits of the technology um, yeah. Without without brands or without usability, yo, know, or without any kind of restriction, um, and yeah, no, just as a uh, <laughs> reminisce. Um, so wait, coming back to your dad, he sounds awesome, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, so what? Wait, what sort of engineering, coder, computer science uh, sort of specialism is he? He wasn't really into coding. He was more into like um, creating, like he created robots, for instance. Um, so it was more like electronic, but like also really like computers. So he, like his office was just full of like pieces of computers everywhere. And I remember, like he told me this story. Like I was with my uh, little sister, and uh, he. He took us at, at work, and he was a teacher in like an engineer school in, um, next to Paris. And he left us uh, in a room at some point because he had to like meet with someone. And when he came back, I was like kind of um, my my sister. My sister was covered with some kind of paper around her, and it was actually like you know like backups <laughs> from a server <laughs> that I used to like like just like uh, to, mum uh, to yeah. mummify her, yeah. Yeah, exactly, to mummify her. I was like, oh, my God, these are the backups from this project. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, he was um, he was just like a really, really a proper geek, I guess. And uh, he invented, uh, I think, a laptop before we, like, before the laptop, like a, 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 like a, a computer that you could hold, so it had a little handle. And um, he tried, I think, the story is he tried. He went to the Silicon Valley to sell it, and then he was he started dating my mom at that time. And my mom called him, and she was like, "You want to get married?" <laughs> and he said, "Okay." And then he came back, and he did not sell his ID. He had a family instead. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so he still tells that story that your mom yes. was the reason why he didn't. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cash out. Yeah, yeah. To, of course, to... it's awful to be doing jobs or you know, like Bill Gates. <laughs> At Xerox Park back in the uh, back in the day. Oh, awesome. Um, they are great stories, and I, you know, gives good context to your current trajectory and I, I guess sort of mindset and approach, and obviously expertise. Yes. Um, uh, maybe just sort of touch on as we close out uh, some of the new any new work or sort of areas that you're really excited by yeah so as i said like we were like the statement i i, I told earlier is like a statement from six years ago and then now we don't have a new statement actually but we are trying to we are making this shift right now um we kind of tried to take a step back from what we were doing because obviously like the big change in, in our area because we were so, like so related to fashion uh, industry is Instagram and Instagram uh, became like so big for the past years and even more recently with uh, the COVID and the space Instagram took within the digital realm is and, and especially for fashion brands is so important that eventually those like little um as i was saying like this like branding like the necessity of like um, embodying your brand online it's kind of now happening on instagram and instagram is not a website it's a platform and a platform is meant to kind of keep its user within its own realm where they can you know control it somehow so even like when you want to make people reach a link through Instagram. Like when you put a link in a comment, for instance, it's not like linking. It's an, and it's that's for a reason. It's like the links are, have to be in your bio link, you know, like it's not meant to drive to the internet, like to the rest of the internet. And I think it's an important shift for fashion brands slash uh, digi like digital uh, and fashion brand. So that's one thing. And also then, yeah, so we've produced a um, few AR filters and it's really, really fun to do that, but it's not the same. Like there are lots of restrictions. So we can do really interesting thing within that those restrictions. Um, but for me, this is really different from what we were trying to achieve initially. So we, because like through also through that like kind of little virtual planet we did with an artist and we are currently working with um, um, the creative AI lab from the Serpentine Galleries uh, in London. And uh, it's a really speculative project um, where we try to, in a nutshell, try to imagine what uh, new paradigm of interface we could uh, create uh, that involves AI, <laughs> um, so it's really like um, vast, <laughs> and but uh, it's so interesting. So, so there's, there's, there's this thing, like this shift to try to be to work more with um, artist institu art institutions, but also we've also been approached to to participate to collective exhibitions in the past years. And really enjoyed that. And on the side of that, I'm also trying to prepare a PhD. Um, so I'm not within the process of the PhD right now, but I'm I'm thinking about it. And it will be actually about net art 
as we were just discussing and about how how the internet was born what happened with NetArta in the late 90s, early 2000s, and how those artists kind of uh, did many like projects that are still so relevant right now, um, and how they, yeah, how they so, like even the troubles we have with our bodies with using digital devices in their projects, like from, for instance, uh, artist Anya Brahms, was already uh, in that time talking about the problems we would face by spending too much time on a computer. So it's so interesting to kind of like uh, have a look back at those projects and, and confront them to the issues we are facing now. So that's a really uh, important part of um, all that like PSG. Unfortunately, we can't do a PSG as a duo. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, uh, David is also, uh, you know, like knows everything about what I'm doing with that, and uh, it's kind of also linked to the project we are doing with uh, DVTK. So yeah, kind of big uh, shifts right happening right now for for DVTK. Exciting times. My PhD sounds yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. And yeah, my analyzer just mentioned it's uh, it, it's not even influential. Or maybe it is influential, and you know, we've just done a, a report on influence in terms of these early pioneers or you know really questioning what and who is influential um and you know a key theme out of that is is platforms like instagram and these closed networks yeah. which are the entire business model is monetary uh, versus uh, these new open networks which are challenging the business model of whether it's patreon through you know subscription-based or you know, social token Discord servers that are, you know, full Web3, um, you know, crypto-based. And and that, to me, is well, the next evolution in terms of decentralization of ownership, but equally, you know, bringing it back to the hands of the creators. Uh, and yeah. I, I, there is still a long way to go for the small folks to, you know, maintain uh, or even create and maintain a, an, a, an income. Um because uh, it's always very geared to the, you know, the big name, large following mechanic. Uh, but yeah. um, no, it, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating area, and yeah, we will we will certainly be following your progress, uh, yeah, as you go. Um, and fi final question in terms of, uh, yeah, any recommendations of someone you might have listened to or read or worked with that you would like to hear on on the show so i i read this like really interesting article um from january from caroline busta so i don't know her but uh it's on it's uh, on document magazine's uh, website and it really talks about what we just discussed about uh, also the impact of uh the platforms and um, I think the title of her uh, text is uh, uh, Internet Didn't Kill Counterculture. It's yeah. just not on Instagram that you will find it or yeah. something like that. And it was so interesting. So I was really uh, interested in that and uh, also the philosopher uh, Anna Longo um, who wrote that article Love in the Age of Algorithm on Glassbed. Um, amazing, amazing uh, writing as well. 
Um, so yeah, um, because I'm preparing this PhD, my references are mainly reading, not mainly I know websites. that I know that document, our journal article, and we actually included oh, yeah. it in our supplement. Um, not the one before, the one before that. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, oh, amazing. Kim, thank you so much. Uh, what's the best way of someone contacting you if they wanted to reach out? Um, uh, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Uh, only, only your dad calls you. I don't think they're in that I mean, status. So, so far, we we're still like, like we we still we 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 are still on Instagram. We don't post that much, but we are we are on Instagram at DVTK. And uh, I think it's the easiest way. <laughs> okay, Instagram DMs. Kim, yes. thank you so much. Say hi to David. Um, yeah, fascinated yes, to hear your story. And yeah, as I said, uh, wishing the best of luck going forward. Thank you.